Things the Bible doesn't say. We could go on and on and on and on. But here's one. What, what's the most well-known Bible verse quoted by non-Christians? Now, the church is really bad at quoting it, too. But non-Christians quote this verse probably more than any of us. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not, lest you be judged. Right? They're, they're quick to quote it, aren't they? I mean, they're like, Poof! here it is. The Bible says not to judge. Now, hang on, hang on. Let's get real. Christians are quick to quote it, too. Right? When you're when you stuck in the mud and you're doing junk, someone comes to you and tries to judge not lest you be judged. Now, you ain't been to Sunday school in 25 years, but you got that one memorized. I'm going to blow it all apart for you tonight. Okay, we're going to rip it up. Did Jesus really say it? Yes, he did. Was it said in the context in which we use it most of the time? Not at all. So if you open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to give you a passage in which Paul judges. Paul is quick to say, bang, 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 and you should be judging them. Paul is quick to say this. Now, we as a church, not Bayshore, but we as a church, period, have a hard time with this because we don't like other people looking at us and trying to hold us accountable. Brother Ron, you could throw that up on the screen if you want. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 13. If you hit uh, the Bible verse thing on your fancy computer there. I'm sorry, I didn't put it there, but I was doing nothing this afternoon, so I didn't want to break that trend. Some of you caught that. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 1 through 13, the Bible says this. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and the kind of sexual immorality that is not even tolerated among the Gentiles. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Are you ignorant? Shouldn't you be filled with grief and remove from your congregation the one who did this? Even though I'm absent in the body, I am present in the spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who has been doing such a thing when you are assembled in the name of our lord jesus and i am with you in spirit with the power of our lord jesus hand the one over to satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the lord your boasting is not good don't you know that a little leaven or that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough clean out the old leaven so that you may be New unleavened batch, as indeed you are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us observe the feast, not with old leaven and with the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. I did not mean the immoral people of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Otherwise, you would, not, you would have to leave the world. But actually... I wrote you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or verbally abusive, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Do you judge those who are inside? God judges outsiders. Remove the evil person from among you. And... On that, 
we have the basis of church discipline. Judging people is hard because we're always quick to hear that, or we hear they expand and they say, wait, 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 don't point out the splinter in my eye when you got the tree hanging out yours. I agree. Jesus said that you'll know them by their fruit. I don't know another way to test fruit but to judge it. Like cantaloupe. When you go to buy a cantaloupe, what do you do? You knock on it, smell it. Why? You're trying to make sure it's good. Right? Because you'd be hot if you go to Detweiler's to get a cantaloupe, and you come home all the way from Detweiler's, and you live around here, and it's a trip in traffic, and you get home, and you go cutting that. I mean, you're ready, and you cut that thing open. You bite into it, and it tastes like cardboard. You'd be mad. Wouldn't you? I mean, you're going to be mad. So we judge it. Now, it's important to catch here what he's saying. He is in no way contradicting what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged, for by the measure you judge, you will also be judged. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about condemnation. He's talking about condemning someone to a place called hell. Well, there are sin is worse than mine so they deserve to go to hell no jesus is saying don't do that because no one knows the heart you don't even know your own heart much less somebody else's heart so you can't judge that you can't determine i'm i'm very careful and i hope you are too i'm very careful when someone comes to me and says well they're supposed to be a christian and they're hang on now let's talk about actions i can't tell you the motive in their heart But let's talk about actions. We can judge actions. That's what Paul's talking about here. Nowhere is Paul talking about the heart. He's talking about the action. And he's talking about the person inside the church. But let's be honest. In today's society, we're so afraid of lawsuits. We're so afraid of being politically incorrect that if someone's jacked up doing the wrong thing, we're not going to say anything. We're just like the Corinthian church. We hang our head and we walk on by. We act like we don't see it. We got spiritual blinders on. See, churches are crammed full of people that are shacked up, but preachers don't want to talk about that because the people shacked up are the ones given. See, they understand grace a little bit, so they're given, but they extend, they're stretching the grace out because no one's saying anything to them. No one's holding them accountable. We want to be a place that people can come and belong We say it all the time. We want you to come hang out. We're not judging you based upon what you're doing. We're not doing any of that. We want you to come hang out. But the minute you put your foot in the water, the minute you decide to jump in and you say, hey, I'm saved, you just join the family. And listen, good families correct family. Don't they? I mean, hey, I can remember growing up, and I grew up in a foster home, but I can remember growing up. I was about 14 and sometimes I get mad at Ross and, and Candon because they get that gator going, right? They get that mouth and they're running. But I can look at them and say, if you say another word, I'm going to ground you till Jesus comes back. And they go, they go quiet. Now, at 14 years old, when my mom said, you keep talking, I'm going to ground you. I said, ground me. Okay, that's one week. Is that the best you can do? Okay, that's one month. Really, that's all you got? All right, six months. Really, that's all you got? And I kept talking and talking and talking. Now, here's the family part. My dad had enough. 
I heard that recliner come down. I thought the Pollock was asleep. I didn't think he even heard me. That recliner come down, and he was up and here, like, instantly. I mean, I thought he was like Superman. And my dad looked at me, and he said, say another word, and you're going to pick yourself up. Now, to some people today, you'd be like, well, that's child abuse. Well, you, you raise your kid, I'll raise mine, right? That's, that was my parents saying. I've kind of adopted that. But the, the fact is, I didn't say another word. He corrected me, and I accepted the correction because I knew he loved me. See, rules before relationship always breeds rebellion. Always. But if you establish a relationship, you can establish rules. Ain't that right, Pinky? You, your, daddy can say any, your daddy and stepmom can say anything they need to now because you know they love you. They've established a relationship. But I can think back a little bit. I can go back a little bit. And there was a time that that wasn't the case. Because the relationship wasn't like it should have been. But there's a relationship now, so they can lay down the rules. And you know they love you. It's for your best. My kids, I hope, know that I love them, so I'm going to correct them. Let me ask you something. If someone's living in sin, and they're claiming to be saved, and we don't say anything, do we really love them? I mean, if you think you really love them and you're letting them go and do everything they're doing, Paul says you're wrong. Paul says to put them out, hand them over to Satan, he says, so that the, at the end they can still make it to eternity. What do we do about judging? Do we do it with, like, mean-spirited? It doesn't work, does it? You ever been to a church that was mean-spirited about judging you? I've been to one or two, 20, right? I mean, everyone in the church is so holy that whenever they walk outside, if it rained, they drown to death because their noses are so far up in the air. You ever been to one of those? Like, they judging you from the minute you, it's go. You walk in, they start judging, right? They judging the clothes you're wearing. They judging what your kids are wearing. They judging what you drove up in, right? They judging the color of your skin, whether you go to a white church, a black church, a, a Mexican church, it don't matter what church you go, they're judging you all on appearance. Paul is saying, hey, don't do that. What Paul's saying, though, is, hey, if you're a member of the family, and they're a member of the family, and you know, I'm not talking you speculate, right? I mean, you can't get a hold of Gabrielle Gossip and listen to everything she says and think that someone's doing something. I'm talking you got to have hard evidence, right? you got to know. Now, don't be the guys. Don't be like the guys who caught the woman in adultery and cast her at the feet of Jesus, right? The Bible says, and they saw her in the act. Yeah, because one of them was in the act with her. Don't be like those guys. Don't come up here pointing out someone else's sin and you involved. But if you know someone's doing problems, if you know someone's not living the way they need to be living, it's not judging, it's caring, it's caring about them, right? The Bible says to do it this way. The Bible says, hey, if there's a problem, go to them. So, Garth. Garth can't boat, apparently. So, I should go to Garth. 
Alex, you better walk out with him. He looks a little unstable. Alex. You can only go so far. If he goes to the bathroom, you can't go anymore. Alex is a good, a good guy. They're both about the same age. Paul, could you go out and help them? <laughs> I might ask the wrong person. Uh, so, I love Alex. He may not think that, but I do. <laughs> um, I love Norm, too. But, so, we've got to be careful that when we begin to judge something, we're doing it not with our interest, but we're doing it with their best interest. So if Garth has got a problem, and I love Garth, and I tell Garth, hey, Garth, I love you, and I see Garth's got a problem, a hurt, a hang-up, something, I need to go to Garth and say, hey, buddy, I love you, but what you're doing contradicts what you say you are. What you're doing doesn't line up with the manual that God says you're supposed to live by. Now, if Garth is good with that, and Garth repents, that's important, it's repenting, right? Turning away, does that mean he's perfect? No, he's probably going to screw up again. But that means that he's going to repent. He's going to attempt to do better. And you know what? I'm going to walk with him. We're going to do it together. When we do that, we're good. When I go to Garth and say, you know what? You no good, slacking, good for nothing. Here, and hit him in the head with the Bible. What good's that? I mean, I know Garth well enough. He's going to hit back. Unless I get him good. Be like a, a mannish shrimp. I'll catch you sleeping. Oh. But, so when we, when we judge the congregation, when we're doing, and we go one-on-one, -on -one, it's good. Well, if the problem persists, what do you do? Take somebody with you, right? I mean, go gang up on them. Get the boxing gloves out, tape them up, right? Go. No. But you go to them humbly. Not like you're better, but your desire is to see them restored. So you go, and it's good, right? Things get better. Wonderful. If not, what do you do? Third step, you bring them before the assembly. You bring them before the church. Because, listen, you've got to be careful when you do that. Because not everybody who claims to be a member of the church is part of the church. Right? Matthew 24, it says Jesus will then separate them. He'll put the sheep to his left and the goats to his right. And let me just tell you, the church has goats. And they bite. So you got to be careful who you, who you involve in this thing because, again, the, the idea for everything is the restoration of Garth. The idea for everything is helping Garth, not boasting us up. If he repents, man, we won. Right? Now we're in the discipling phase. We're going to walk with him. If he doesn't repent, there's a fourth step. No one likes the fourth step because we don't do it. But let me tell you about a preacher that did it. Here's a man, Brother Tom, who took the Bible for what it said. He's about six foot six. And he'd gone to this guy and he'd talk to him. Minion, he's getting hold of me. Uh, man, embarrassing. It's not, I don't even know who it was. That's the bad thing. Uh, so he, six foot six, he goes to this guy and he talks to him. And he goes back and the guy continues to persist in what he's doing. That's not me, that's him. If that's not God, just let it go to voicemail. I know what it is. 
Uh, so he goes a second time, takes some deacons with him. Goes a second time, Brother Alex, talk to the guy. The guy still doesn't stop and repent. So the third time they're in the church, got about 350 people in church in a business meeting. They bring it up, bring the guy. Now, I'm just telling you, the third time for me in front of 350 other people, and you airing out my laundry, either I'm repenting or I'm not coming back. It's one or the other. He comes back, but he doesn't repent. He continues. So the fourth time, the Bible says to mark them. Now, lest I remind you, the guy was six foot six, probably 260, 270, the preacher. He gets to talking about church discipline. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just telling you when the Bible is literal, and this guy took it literal, he walked down, snatched a hold of the guy, and put an X on his forehead. He marked him. Now listen, it's a harsh example, I understand that. But you know what? That guy never, ever will be able to say that they did not do everything they could to try to help him. They carried it to the nth degree. Literal. Paul says, kick him out. Right? He says, kick them out. Not to have fellowship. Don't break bread with them. Kick them out. Instead, we love up on them, hug on them. Oh, it's okay. You got a drinking problem. No, you're a drunk. That's what the Bible says. It's okay that you shacked up right now. It's okay. No, that's sexual immorality. See, we don't have the right to change the name of the sin. We have the right to love them enough to get them out of it. But we can't change it. And guys, I'm telling you, it's time the church stand up and quit turning the head. Now, I'm not saying we start judging the people outside. We are, uh, I've been told, I've been told that in some instances, we are the most non-judgmental church people have been to. In other instances, people say we're the most judgmental church people have been to. I'm not sure how you get one from the other, but whatever. What I'm saying is that when a stranger walks in the back, and if they don't claim to be a follower of Christ, they're living like they're supposed to. Lost people live like lost people. That's what they do. That's what you did. But if they come in shouting Jesus, claiming they, they want his followers, guys, we've got to do something about that. We've got to help. We don't ostracize. We don't beat them up. We help them. We disciple them. I know that's a foreign word. We're not good at that, but that's what we do. We disciple them. We don't judge them like instantaneously and just cast them off. We judge their action and then we help figure out how to fix it. It's like your kids, right? I got a kid. Okay, I'll just tell you which one it is. It's hurricane. Uh, I'll just tell you. Yeah, how did you know? Because every kid is hurricane. Uh, I got a son who, when he was potty training, would literally just pee wherever. Not just outside. Outside was good. I'm talking inside. If he had to pee and he was in the car, he was not going to pee his underwear. He was literally peeing everywhere. Everywhere. 
So it's like, you have to look at him. I'm thinking, I want to kill this kid. He just peed all over the back of my truck. The inside back of my truck. And I'm like, but if I whip him, he'll never pee outside that pair of underwear again. He'll be 50 and still pee in his underwear. So I had to look at him. I had to come up with a way to correct the behavior and teach him it was okay to pee in a toilet. Not in my truck. So we had to change. We had to, listen, our first three boys, we potty trained by teaching them to pee wherever. I paid for that when I got the keys. Candon and Rawson ran by me. First day at new church, and I'm standing there shaking hands. People are coming up laughing. They're pointing. I look over here, and there are these two little white butts staring at me. And they're standing on the front porch of the church peeing off it. They were country boys. We just let it go. But we had to correct Canaan's behavior because he literally just thought I wasn't supposed to pee in my underwear. So he, literally, wherever. It not, hey, I can't remember a time he ever peed in his underwear. He peed everywhere else, but I don't think he ever got his underwear. Oh, he got other people, but he didn't ever get his. So we had to correct the behavior. We had to come up with a plan and disciple him. And, so we started asking him every 10 minutes, son, you got to go, you gotta go potty? Son, you got to go potty? Son, here, come here, come sit on the pot. And listen, when you're a little kid, it's scary to sit on the toilet. Because, I mean, especially, you know, you're in Florida. What's coming up out of it? So, and, I, you know, sadly, we used to tell him things were in it so he wouldn't play in it. <laughs> so now I'm trying to get him to sit on it. See how that didn't work? So we had to correct that, and it took some time. Do you know that you were jacked up and had problems too? Some of you still jacked up and got problems. And it takes time to fix the problem. But guess what? We're willing to invest that time. We're willing to help you. We're, we're going to judge you. We're going to judge your actions. And then we're going to figure out how to fix your actions. We're going to figure out how to restore you back to where you're supposed to be and walk as a follower of Christ. I had a question asked me tonight, and I'll close. I had a question asked tonight on Facebook, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? That's a loaded question um, because you know other, every, everyone's going to jump out the woodwork and want to say stuff, right? Everyone's coming. Save, lost, atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Muslim, they all coming. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who has trusted Jesus Christ for their eternal salvation. No, they're not perfect. They got all kinds of problems still. See, they're not sinless. They just sin less. That's what a Christian is. But you know what a Christian, another part of that definition is? A Christian is someone who will come alongside a brother and sister and not condemn them, but judge the action and then walk through the mud with them till they get to the dry land. That's what a Christian is. So guys, this week, judge not lest you be judged. I pray that you don't send someone to hell. But boy, you better start judging people's actions. Because there's going to come a time, and the time is now, that people are going to look at the church. Justin, ain't this right? People are going to look at the church, and they're going to say, why did I get saved? Why am I going to church? Because I can do the same stuff they're doing out there. But guys, we're called to be different. We're called to be different, to love people, help people. That's the difference. 
A judge sentences you and sends you away. A Christian should look at you and say, hey, your actions are jacked up, but let me help you fix them. Hey, you're busted up, broken up, but I'm going to help you get better. Okay? Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your, your scripture. God, we thank you that, Father, we're supposed to be judges of fruit. God, judges of action. Father, we don't do it out of condemnating spirit, but, Father, we do it out of wanting to restore people and help people. So, God, I pray that you would help us with that. Father, I pray that you would just give us the strength, the courage, Father, to say things that need to be said. And, Father, keep our mouths shut when we don't need to say anything. Again, Father, we, we thank you for the visitors tonight. God, I pray that you protect them, bless them. God, we, we thank you for those who have come out tonight from our family. And, God, we pray that you protect and watch over them. And, again, for those that are at home, God, I pray that you'd watch over them and bless them. Father, for all those that are sick, God, we pray that you'll get the ultimate glory in everything. It's in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. You're dismissed. See you Sunday morning.